growing up was not easy at all as in a rural girl or in a rural woman in Uganda. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Young Women Transform podcast. I'm Heather Risley with USAID's Office of Education. And I'm Lindsay Wolf with Youth Power Learning. You just heard Annette Burundi, the executive director of Safe Plan, talking a bit more about her personal journey growing up as a young girl in Uganda. We'll be hearing more of her personal story a bit later. In this episode, we're really going to focus on women's employment. Since this is such a rich area of learning and programming within USAID, and we got so much great content from the people that we spoke with here, we're breaking this up into a couple of different episodes. In this episode, we're going to be focusing specifically on barriers and the challenges that women face, particularly in rural areas of Uganda, to gainful employment. In the next episode, we'll talk more about how the Safe Plan Uganda organization addresses those barriers. Safe Plan's Bwowe project is operating in the rural area of Niantonze, an agricultural community that primarily relies on sugarcane growing. Though this is a lucrative sugarcane production area, women reap the least amount of benefits from its production. We spoke with Daniel and Annette from Safe Plan who explain what life is like for women in this area. We passed by a lot of the sugarcane fields when we were visiting the Niantonze village and the surrounding area. And you were t- telling me earlier about how the sugarcane industry employs a large majority of the community members. So I'm interested in learning more about how the sugarcane industry affects the women in particular in the village and um, how that affects their lives and their employment opportunities and their ability uh, and their family's ability to earn a good income. So if you, if both of you could speak uh, more to that issue, I think our listeners would appreciate that. The sugarcane factory is located in the target uh, in the project site. And it is estimated that over 90% of the arable land, land would, that would be used for farming, is being occupied by sugarcane growing. So to that effect, uh, the community will definitely have job employment opportunity, but at different levels. So the high class level will get the uh, high paying jobs and then the lower class level will definitely remain in the lower paying jobs. So uh, especially women, the women, uh, because of their vulnerability and uh, the challenges they face in life, they, you find that uh, they zero down to the lower cost job because of uh, lack of uh, the required qualification, uh, low level of education, and with a lot of other uh, responsibility in the family. Because they also need to survive, they have to go and look for something within their reach that suits their level of education and what they can really afford. And it's to that level that you find that they can work for as low as $1 per day. And they're working for long hours because they have to leave their home very early. The sugarcane fields are really distant. Uh, they spend there the whole day working and then they come back in the evening. Thanks, that's really helpful background. Annette, would you like to add to that as well? Uh, more so uh, supplementing on what uh, Daniel just said. Uh, that sugarcane area, um, most of the, of the 
of the community members, the immigrants from northern parts of Uganda affected by the war. So uh, they came there to settle uh, with the limited uh, with the limited resources. They don't have enough land uh, to do other uh, economic activities like improved agriculture, like um, maybe rearing goats, maybe rearing cows. So they bought to, uh, to the factory, which has already established its sugarcane plantations to employ these uh, young women as casual laborers, because that is the only option for them to acquire income. Uh, the engagement from morning, uh, uh, let's for example, 6 a.m. To, to 6 p.m. in the evening, approximately 12 hours per day, doesn't leave these women to participate in other productive activities like um, joining the saving groups, like uh, participating in the modern agriculture. And in that community, traditionally, women are the ones that provide for the family. Now many um who may have more opportunities uh, to, uh, to acquire big land, who may have uh, opportunities maybe to hire acres of land to practice agriculture also. They are manipulated by the factory, promising them large sums of money after harvesting their sugarcane. Mainly the fact that the women in the community have less power uh, to make decisions, have less power to influence. Um, so this one is really affecting the employment, the economic opportunities of the women. It was really clear traveling around this area the prominent role that the sugarcane plantations play in the economic productivity in this area. So I thought it was really important that we talk about this in the context of women's employment opportunities and how it contributes to a number of the barriers that they face. At this point, we want to focus more on Annette's story. She herself is a youth leader and she's female and grew up in this community. So we wanted to hear more about her personal experience as a young woman and the barriers she faced personally in her journey to becoming a leader. Annette, could you tell our listeners what it was like growing up as a young woman in Uganda? Uh, Growing up was not easy at all as uh, a rural girl or a rural woman in Uganda because uh, traditionally or culturally, women are not uh, given all the priorities. They are not given all the privileges uh, to help them to... Uh, uh, to to plan for the for the success in their lives, uh, most of the opportunities are given to boys. So uh, growing up was not all that uh, on uh, on a silver plate for me. Uh, also being that uh, from the poor family, uh, it was not all that easy. And uh, of course, as a young girl, I was uh, looking at my future. I was uh, growing, <laughs> dreaming big. I wanted to be someone who is really uh, at a higher level of perspective of the community. So it was not easy. So it was uh, through the support of my mother, who was so much uh, interested in education, who was so who, who was so much interested in seeing that at least her girl child access whatever she wants. I remember my mother could tell me that, no, I didn't go to school. 
as much as I wanted, but at least I want my my daughter to reach the higher education of learning. And I want to see that at least uh, she comes or she becomes an important person that everyone will admire. So that was growing up. And um, that one inspired me to be maybe who I am today. Thank you for sharing that. That's really interesting to hear how important your mother was in formulating your experience and the emphasis that she put on education. What barriers continue to be problems for the young women as they pursue work or start a business? Lack of capital to start their own businesses and also uh, the support from the family. Uh, Specifically now, uh, young women who are in relationship who are married, they are not always supported by their husbands. They feel the husbands feel that if this woman gets empowered, if she gets more money, will become the owner of the home, will no longer be submissive, will no longer perform her roles. That is, uh, I bring it as a cultural perspective and the traditional perspective of these young women to embrace the skills. Also, um, there are limited opportunities for them available, and also lack of information. What skills are more marketing, and what skills are on the market, what skills can bring for them more money, and also what businesses that can bring more profit. So uh, those are the barriers that young women still face in uh, starting their businesses. You find that as uh, much as I'm willing to do the business, but I lack support from the people who are around me, the, my family, my spouse, and also uh, a lot of responsibilities at home. Women are being regarded as homemakers, reproductive roles. They have to take care of the family. They have to to provide foods for their family. So they are not supported. And the men, they are the ones who are given free life to move here and there. So you find that the women are always uh, staged in one particular area. They do not have opportunities to move. They do not have opportunities uh, to, to access the information, to share and learn from others. So those are the few the barriers. Another person that Lindsay and I wanted to meet was a man named Sandy, whose title is vice chairman of Bodongo Sub-County, which really means he's a local elected official that uh, is engaged with a sort of small group um, around Niantonze and really knows that community well and the challenges that these women face. So the next part of this conversation will be focused on Sandy as he explains the very specific barriers that women face in that area. Now, when you look at the young population of Niantonze, uh, in the early stages of education, very many people, very many children are enrolled in schools. But as they continue in the system, our education system at the primary level takes seven years. Now, after seven years, you find the number decreases, and it is more with the girl child. Now, our children begin, basically, averagely, they begin education at around five years. So if you add on the seven years that they are supposed to spend in school, you find uh, at P7, averagely, our children are around 13 to 14 years of age. Now, meaning that if the girls do not complete the P7, it means before the age of 15, very many girls and boys are already at home. Now, when 
at this age children are at home it means they have not been given chance to have a basic education that could give them employment that could give them knowledge and skills of life that uh, at, when they are growing up they are able to mend for themselves uh, do livelihood activities for themselves so these are children who are in the community so it means that our community has a very high level of dependency on a few groups of people it means that our community is exposed to the the, the early marriages it means our community is most exposed to epidemics and pandemics that is how our our youth and young people are who out of the young people here are the most vulnerable and marginalized and what challenges do those young people face yeah the the most marginalized and vulnerable are the girl child uh, because of course you know the nature of a girl child first uh, like i put it earlier they exposed to forced marriage at early age you know in in, in our culture it is uh, when you produce very many girls they say you you, you are wealthy you are wealthy that you are going to marry them off and they give you bride price and bride price uh, makes that that feeling makes the parents think that a girl should drop out of school and gets married quickly that's one of the vulnerability secondly uh, it is in our communities that you find uh, alcohol and drug consumption in every party uh, marriage party uh, any party any, any any community party there is alcohol consumption and it is the men now when they consume the alcohol you know what takes place when somebody has drugs is intoxicated goes and the, a man who goes and batters a, 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 the wife is seen to be the person who is a, who, who can manage and a, a man a woman who, who who is married to a mild man who does not beat who does not batter is seen to be that the woman is above the man and this is the, the kind of relationship these are the kind of the families our people are in and secondly due to due to also lack of knowledge diseases hiv aids uh, people are not used they don't know how to use the contraceptives uh, family planning is not anywhere near their, their their reasoning meaning that they produce children and they, whom, which they cannot whom they cannot manage and that is coupled by what we uh, lack of livelihood activities so in all these aspects it is the woman who is more vulnerable we were able to speak with some of the young women in Niantonze and they echoed a lot of what Sandy was just talking about one of the major issues that they identified in almost every single interview we did was the problem of early marriage and the expectation of having children early on where they didn't have a choice in their own family planning. This is tightly connected to family expectations in the community and men's expectation of their wives and brings up a lot of difficult cultural attitudes around women's role in society. So. While Sandy touched on a lot of this, 
We're also going to hear from Annette around how SafePlan engages directly with families and women's husbands around how they are trying to change cultural attitudes. You mentioned how families are so crucial in um, either being supportive or not of these young women. Have you been involved or witnessed um, conflicts with these young women and their families, and how have you helped resolve those conflicts so that they can see the light, as you say, regarding the the empowerment of these young women and how that helps the whole community? Uh, yeah, um, we have had um, family interaction with where these young women come from, because uh, if we have to get to know a limitation and how can we solve it? For example. There is one of the Bobe member I interacted with some time back, and she said that he, she was facing a GBV, gender-based violence, uh, that he, her husband uh, was uh, was uh, torturing her. And wherever she could, like, uh, she's coming for the meetings, she's coming for the training, and uh, the husband uh, is kind of uh, threatening her, harassing her. So, um... We looked at this issue, and together with the, uh, our coordinator, we talked to this family, we talked to the lady, and uh, we talked to the entire family, specifically to the spouse. Uh, what are the benefits of this lady exposed, uh, getting exposed to opportunities, learning, having knowledge? What, how would it impact his family? After some time, we were ready to access to, to assess the impact and uh, find that uh, the lady, she's now active and... Uh, She's even the first people to bring her saving every Friday. You find that the lady, she's really, uh, uh, she has changed, meaning after talking to the spouse or to the partner, has really helped, supported her, changed the mindset of the husband. Now they are looking at, the, uh, at achieving together. So that is uh, how we get involved to speak to the community. And to the families, the women have expressed, you know, that this uh, family issues are sometimes a hindrance. Are there other issues that they've expressed that they need support around in order to be more involved in your programs? They need startup kits, startup capital of their businesses. They need resources, materials. If you have trained them to in a certain skill, how can they start up like a tailoring? They don't. They are very poor. They cannot buy a tearing machine. They cannot uh, buy expensive garments that people will buy. They cannot buy other materials. So mostly they will tell you, yes, we are so much interested in this. We have learned it. We can start, but we do not have startup capital. We don't have startup kits. We do not have where to begin from. As we know, young women can't be the only ones involved in improving access to employment opportunities for women. Young men are also a critical component to changing the cultural norms around gender equality and how men and women interact with each other. So now we're going to hear from Daniel on this topic. How are the barriers that young women face in the community different from the barriers that young men and adult women face? If a, a young woman misses school between uh, maybe uh, 7 to 13 years, it will be very difficult for that person to study again. 
because this is the time that the brain is very active. So if they miss that opportunity, it will be hard for them to... So they, you get that, it's fine that they are affected. Uh, it, it takes really a, a, a strong-minded parent to really put a lot of resources in educating the young girl because they think they are more vulnerable, they're exposed to more problems, so it may be a waste of resource. So uh, this affects their life because uh, these problems comes at their early stage where they needed to really make change upon their life. How do you go about changing mindsets? Yeah, changing mindsets is... Uh, there is no good tool in changing mindset apart from talking to people. Yes, we reach and talk to them. We talk to them as a group, but we also single out them one-on-ones or in smaller groups so that uh, they better understand that uh, what they are going through, either some of us talking to them or other people we interact with have also gone through such kind of experience. Sometimes they feel they don't have free space to open up. Uh, maybe they have developed uh, some, uh, their attitude towards some of this talking maybe may not be good, but if you have a range of people, you are two or three, uh, they may have a better attitude towards him or the other person that you ensure your uh, interest is actually achieved guidance, giving aspiration, short stories, so that somebody can understand that, no, I am not alone. Among everyone we spoke with, they all talked about the many barriers that women face to gaining opportunities. For example, a few that stood out to me include women's lack of capital and the economic barriers that they face to gaining income and equal status in the household, in addition, the lack of education that women in particular, girls in particular face, and that there seems to be a lower value placed on educating girls among the family. Lindsay, what did you hear? In addition to those, I was also struck by the cultural expectations on the young women of early marriage and early childbearing and the responsibilities that come along with that that make it difficult for them to have time to do productive income-generating activities. In our next episode, we'll be focusing more on the solutions and what Safe Plan Uganda is doing to really address these challenges. In addition, we'll also be telling the story of the prize-winning Bodongo Women Bee Enterprise Program. You'll be hearing from the young women who are participating in this program and the changes that are being made in their lives as a result of the program. Remember, you can always learn more at the following websites, youthpower.org or education links at www.edu-links.org. If you haven't already, remember to subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast app.